Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're sort of going to jump right in the, into the middle of this passage and only read one verse this morning. And um, it's a verse that talks about Timothy and mentions his mother and his grandmother. Let's read the verse, verse number 5. When I call to remembrance the, remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, that's Timothy, which dwelt first, of all, first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to be in your house. We thank you for everyone who's come today. We thank you those for those new faces that we see today, and uh, we just appreciate them being here as well. And Lord, I just ask that you might uh, have your way in our hearts today, in our midst, and I pray that you would encourage mothers today to be godly mothers. I know, Lord, we can't change the past. And there are mothers that might be here and say, I regret some things. And I imagine every mother would have to say that. But, Lord, we can't change the past, but we can do something about the future with your help. So I pray that every mother today would determine that they're going to be a godly mother. Help us as we share from the Word of God today, give enablement to bring the message. Pray that you will be done, and especially, Lord, if there's someone here, regardless whether a mother or a father or a boy or a girl, who it might be, who does not know Jesus as their personal Savior, I pray that today they would put their faith in you and call upon you to save them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we honor mothers. We do so because we recognize the importance of motherhood. To be a mom or a mother is much more than just giving birth to a child. The role of a mother is to care for, to instruct, to pray for, and to lead the child to grow up to please God. I believe that's the role of a mother. The reason for that role is because God gave the mother her life. He provided for the mother through her life. He then gave her the ability to conceive a child. God formed the child in the womb, and God enabled the mother to give birth to that child. The child then, as the psalm says, is a gift from God. Therefore, if the mother does not desire for that child to please God, she is being unthankful to the Lord, she is being selfish, and she's also being rebellious against God. Many mothers today give no heed whatsoever to the Lord and really give him no thought. They have children, and then they go on to raise their children in whatever way they think best. They obtain instruction about raising their children from their own observations, also from books written by so-called experts that do not fear God, from other parents who have raised their children already, and sometimes from parents who are in the process of raising their children, but they do not consult God who gave them the child. They do their best they can, and they hope for the best. How foolish it is for a mother to disregard God when it comes to her child. The life she has came from God, and the life that is given to her came from God. Yet she never consults God. How sad that is. What our society needs today, and what our children need today, are godly mothers and, of course, godly dads. 
but today we're speaking to mothers. Godly mothers, I believe, are, as I've titled the message, priceless. It's impossible to put a price on the value of a godly mother. God instructs us or introduces us to a godly mother in Proverbs chapter 31, and he asks the question, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. So the price of a precious gem, rubies, says her price is far above that. Her value is far above any of that. And then he adds this. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. In our text this morning, Paul mentions two ladies who are godly mothers, and their names are Lois and Eunice. Lois was Timothy's grandmother. Eunice was Timothy's mother. They were both said to have unfeigned faith. That means genuine faith, faith without any hypocrisy. It truly is genuine. When it came to being Christians in those days, they were the real deal. They were genuine. They were genuine Christians. Now, a Christian is a follower of Christ. And since we find out the Bible in the Bible that Christ is God, then a follower of Christ is Christ-like or he's godly. So a godly mother is a Christ-like mother. You see, Lois raised a godly girl. Her name was Eunice. Eunice raised a godly boy. His name was Timothy. And Timothy had the faith that her, his grandmother and mother had, and that is genuine faith, uh, unfeigned faith, no hypocrisy whatsoever. He was, a re- he was the real deal. And so a godly mother is a Christ-like mother. Let's consider some of the characteristics this morning of a Christ-like or a godly mother. Now, I know there's a lot of characteristics that you could give, and there's no way I can cover all of them, but I want to give you five this morning, characteristics of a godly mother. First of all, a godly mother believes right. A godly mother believes right. Well, she believes the Word of God. The Bible says this book is truth. And so a godly mother believes the truth. She believes the Bible. Jesus taught his disciples to believe him. And he taught his disciples to believe the word of God, the Old Testament they had. And he taught his disciples to believe. We are also to believe God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so God says the word of God is very valuable to us. It's what we need to be what God wants us to be. And so a mother believes the word of God. No reservations, no second thoughts. She believes what God says. Whatever God says, she believes it. You can't be a godly mother unless you do that. Because a godly mother is a Christ-like mother, and Christ surely believed the word of God because he is the word of God. And so you must believe the word of God. She also believes what the Word of God says about the way of salvation. A godly mother believes that there's one way of salvation. Not many avenues to heaven. There's one way, and that's only Jesus Christ. And so a godly mother believes the gospel. 
The gospel is that Jesus, the Son of God, left heaven's glory, came to this earth, became a man, and on the cross of Calvary, he died in our place, taking our sin upon himself. He suffered, bled, died. He paid the price for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. And you have to come to the place where you repent of your sins, you realize I'm a and you cry out to God in belief and you say, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose from a grave. I want him to be my Savior. I accept him as my Savior. And you, are tr- you trust the Lord as your personal Savior. A godly mother has to do that. You can't be a godly mother if you reject Christ. Godly is Christ-like. And if you reject Christ, you surely can't be a godly mother. And so a godly mother uh, believes what God says about the way to heaven and shares that with others about how you get to heaven. A godly mother also believes something else, and that is she believes that God's will is perfect. She believes that God's will is perfect. She can tell her child that God says this is wrong and this is right, and God says this and that, and God, and God never makes a mistake. God will always, always tells the truth, and I believe that if you stay in God's will, it will be the best thing for you. And then she can note an, a, a style of living or maybe a practice that that child is doing. And she says, that's wrong. That's not the way. That'll lead you to the wrong place. And a godly mother will do that because she believes that God's will is the best thing for that child. And I truly believe it is. I believe that God's will for you is the best. The devil will tell you otherwise. Your friends will tell you otherwise. But the godly mother says, no, will is the best for you. So a godly mother is a mother who believes right. Then secondly, a godly mother is also a mother who loves right. God is love. So to be Christ-like is to be a person of love. And so a godly mother loves right. We must believe, we must begin with this. She loves God. The Bible tells in Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. In Matthew 22, it's quoted, and it's stated a little bit different. It says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So one says strength, the other says mind. And then Mark includes this. He says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. In other words, you're to love God with everything that you have. A godly mother loves God. That means a godly mother does not love the world. She's not a worldly mother. She's not a mother that's given to the fads of the world and must do what the world says. No, a godly mother loves the Lord. She doesn't love the world. The Bible says in 1 John 2, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. No, don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world, but love God. So a, a godly mother, yeah, she loves right loves God, and then secondly, she loves her husband. A godly mother loves her husband. Titus chapter 2, the Bible says that the aged women were to teach the younger women to love their husbands. And so a godly mother loves her husband. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own, own husbands. And notice this, as unto the Lord. You're to love your husband because, well, you love the Lord, don't you? And submit yourselves unto your husband 
as unto the Lord. And then he says this, as the church is subject unto Christ, and surely we know that all of us are to be subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject unto their own husbands. As you're subject unto Christ, is it a chore to be subject unto Christ? Is it just laborious, you know, that you have to trust the Lord and serve him? Well, for a Christian who really loves the Lord, it won't be. If you love the Lord, it won't be burdensome. And the Lord says that the godly mother loves her husband, and then she loves her children. Titus also adds this after saying, the aged women who teach the younger women to love their husbands, it also adds this, and to love their children. A godly mother loves her children. I'm sure you've all observed some mothers someday and the way they act and the way they treat their kids and and the way they conduct their lives, they surely don't act like they love their children. But a godly mother does. And if you want to be a godly mother, you must love your children. That means you'll, you'll uh, do things for them because you love them. You'll forbid them to do things because you love them. You will discipline them because you love them, because that's exactly what God does to us, and we're his children. And so a godly mother loves her children. But then a godly mother also loves others. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. So you know you're a Christian because you love the brethren. It bothers me when somebody says to me, oh, oh I love God, and uh, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I just had some bad experience. I don't go to church anymore. I, I don't understand that. If you, don't, if you don't like this church, then go somewhere else where you, where you do feel comfortable, but you should love the brethren. It, it, you feel like there's something missing in your life if you don't have the brethren around you. If you can't exercise love to your brothers in Christ, and so the Lord says we're to love uh, our, our brothers in Christ, we're to love others. 1 John 2 verse 10 says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. So if you don't, abide, if you don't love your brother, then you don't abide in the light. You're to love one another. I think that's one of the good things about this church. Everybody seems to love each other. I like it to see you shake hands after the second verse, you know, the first song. I know it's sort of a habit we're in. We do that all the time, but I love that to see that. And sometimes, you know, it just continues. We have to get up here and start the song so you'll stop. But then also something else I love, and that is when the church service is over, there's Quite often, there are a whole lot of people stay around for a long time. And uh, somebody will say to me, well, we're the last ones here. No, you're not. I'm the last one here. <laughs> but I don't mind that. My wife and I went to, we were on vacation one time. We went to church in, in Tennessee. We'd never been there before. Didn't know anybody there. But it was a big church. We walked in there, and I just wondered if anybody was going to speak to us. We walked into the church went up down the aisle and found a seat, and people were talking all around us, and we sat down, and we went through the service, and nobody spoke. I thought, surely after the service, somebody will. Well, we got up out of our pew, and I just looked around, stood there a minute, and everybody was in their little groups, you know, talking and everything, and spoke to us. But then we went out in the parking lot, and I thought, I'm just going to stand here a while. So I stood there a while, and everybody was going to their car, and some people were stopping and talking, but nobody talked to us. That's bad. That's bad. Because 
we should be people of love. And the Bible says that we should love others, not just uh, the Lord and your, and your husband and your children, but also love, your, love other people. And the same with us men. We should, of course, love our wives and then all the rest. But then the Lord says, your neighbor as yourself. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, not just believers, but unbelievers. And you're to love them. You're to be concerned about them. And you're to show them some attention because you love everyone. In fact, you can say this, a godly mother or a godly dad or a godly boy or a godly girl is going to be a person who loves. People are going to know that you, you care for them, you love that's a part of a Christian. That's God-like. That's Christ-like. God is love, and so should we be. And then there's another thing. A godly mother believes right. She loves right, but she also speaks right. She speaks right. Christ always spoke the truth, and if we're to be Christ-like, if we're to be godly, we're to speak the truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, we're to speak we're to speak in love. So remember that, speak the truth in love. And John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I'm the truth. So if we're going to be Christ-like, if we're going to be God-like, if we're going to be godly, then we have to be people of the truth. So she's a lady who speaks the truth. Now in order to speak the truth, she must learn the truth. In order for you to speak the truth about a situation or about a, a, a subject or anything, you must learn the truth. Where do you learn the truth? The truth from in the Word of God. John chapter 17, verse 17 says, Thy word is truth. I make no apology. Everything this book says is truth. It doesn't matter if the culture today says something otherwise. This is truth, and it will not change. This is truth. And so a godly mother speaks the truth. In order to speak the truth, she must learn the truth. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And so she learns the truth. She reads the Bible. She knows what God has to say about a subject. 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A godly mother must read her Bible. She must learn the truth so she can speak the truth. You see, God tells the truth about everything. God tells the truth about Jesus. God tells the truth about the way to heaven. The world says today that uh, Jesus is all kinds of things, you know, and uh, they just water him down or redefine him or whatever it might be. But the Bible says who Jesus is. He's God's son who left heaven's glory, became a man so he could die on the cross for us. And he was buried. He rose again. He ascended up into heaven. He's at the heaven today at the right hand of God, interceding for those that believe in him. That's Jesus. And so you need to know the truth about Jesus God's word tells the truth about Jesus. He tells the truth, as I said, about the way to heaven. There's not many ways, there's one way. He tells the truth about hell. Some people have a discussion, you know, whether hell is true or not. We don't have to have that discussion. We know it's true. The Bible teaches that. Hell is true. He also teaches the truth about Satan. There's a lot of misunderstanding today about Satan. Some people think it's all right to, you know, to talk with Satan or to worship Satan. And some schools even have these Satan clubs and all that. It's, where are you going to find the truth about Satan? Well, the truth about Satan's in the Word of God. 
Who is Satan? Well, he was a, first of all a created being. God created him as an angel. His name was Lucifer. And then God gave the angels an opportunity to, do, to decide right or wrong. And, and, and Satan, Lucifer, decided to rebel against God. And he took many angels with him and they fell from heaven. And that's Satan. And the Bible tells us the truth about that. God, the Bible tells us the truth about the origins of the universe. And the world has all kinds of explanations today, you know, but all of them are wrong because they don't, they don't match up with the word of God. The Bible says in six days God created the heavens and the earth and all that in them is. That's everything. I believe that includes the angels. Because in six days he created everything and all that in them is. That means on the first day he created the angels. And according to Job, the angels were there when he laid the foundations of the earth and they shouted for joy. So the first day he probably created the angels first and then he made the heavens and the earth. But in six days God created the heavens and the earth. The The world says that's ridiculous. Six days? Are you kidding me? And then we believe, of course, according to the scripture and those who've, who've studied the, the dates and everything, that the world, the, this earth, earth is probably maybe 6,000, a little more years old. To the so-called scientists today, they would think that's ludicrous. I mean, that's laughable. They would laugh at you for saying that. It's, it's millions and millions and millions of years old, maybe even billions. But we know that that's not true. God tells us the truth. You can count on the truth. So if they teach you anything else, you know, the Bible says otherwise, and this is truth, and what you're saying is not truth. God also, uh, the Bible tells the truth about creation of man. The Bible says in Genesis 1:27, our young people know that, God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. <laughs> Male and female, he created them. I won't sing the song because it goes, ha, 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 you know. The kids know it. (laughs) But God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Them, male and female, he created them. That's truth. That's truth. And we find that in the Bible. God, God tells us the truth in the Bible about marriage. Where did it all start? Is it man's idea and he just came up with this idea and now it's not working so well, we have another idea? No, God's word tells us where marriage came from. God married Adam and Eve. In fact, God made the first uh, first woman and gave her to, to Adam. And so God performed that marriage, and he said, From now on, man, man shall leave his, his father and mother and cleave to his wife. God ordained, instituted marriage. The Bible tells us that that is truth. God also tells us the truth about intimacy. The world has all kind of ideas about that today. But the Bible says, no, intimacy is between the man and his wife and no one else. <laughs> no one else. Only in marriage, intimacy is right. The world says, oh, no, love, you know, just love people. And uh, love is expressed that way. No, the Bible says no. The Bible says intimacy is for marriage. And that's very important. And where do we find that? In the word of God. A godly mother knows the word. She reads the word. And she speaks the truth about that. And what she's learned from the Bible, she speaks. Now, It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to speak it. 
Many mothers today know better, but they won't tell their children any better. Many mothers today know God says it's wrong, but they won't tell their children because they'll have all kinds of trouble, you know, with their children. So they let their children do things. You know, there there are parents today who let their children uh, uh, have their boyfriend over and stay all night, and they they, they say, well, it's normal. No, it's not normal. (laughs) It's sin. And so God speaks about that, but the mother who's godly speaks out about that. You see, she speaks what she knows to be true. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? And the answer is, there's a lot of people that would harm you if be followers of that which is good. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Mothers, dads, remember this, God tells you the truth, and you're to speak the truth, and you're not to be afraid to do that. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be always ready to give an answer to every man that asketh thee the reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, and they do today, people who, uh, who don't like what we believe in the Bible, they speak evil of you. The Lord says they will do that, that they may be ashamed and false, who, that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. So the Lord says, godly mother knows the truth and she speaks the truth. God bless those mothers who, who are standing up across this nation against school boards, teachers, and government officials who seek to lead their children into gender confusion and immoral lifestyles. God bless those mothers who stand up. <laughs> it's refreshing to see that across the nation. It's, it's sad that they have to do that. It's sad that in public schools they have homosexuality taught. They have pornography taught. I mean, it's, uh, it's in the textbooks, pornography and then they have drag queen shows or, or storytelling hours and all that. I mean, a few years ago, you would have thought, that, that's, that cannot happen. That's ridiculous. But it is happening. And the world's saying it's okay. God says it's not. God bless the mother and the dad who will stand up and say, this is the truth. Those things are wrong. And that mother confronts her children with the truth of God's word She doesn't back down, and she doesn't back down to the children or to their peer pressure. Because believe me, peer pressure today on young people is trying to get them to follow the devil. The devil's behind it, and he wants to get them not to believe the truth. And there must be somebody standing in the way, and many times it's that godly mother. Let me say today that it is not all right. In other words, it is wrong no, no uh, compromise at all. It is wrong. The lifestyle of a lesbian is wrong. The lifestyle of gays are wrong. Bisexual is wrong. Transgender, wrong. It's not right. It's not, oh, it's something new, and that old things are outdated. No, it's right. The Bible is right. 
And it's interesting that this community has come up with so many different uh, letters to put. It just used to be about four. Now it's LGBTQIA+. (laughs) I don't know what they're going to add to that, but probably another B for bestiality wouldn't surprise me. But all those things are accepted today, and we're made to feel like we're wrong if we speak against that. My friend, we're not wrong. The Bible says these things are sin. But many young people around their classmates and their teachers, and they're so influenced by all this. I mean, you parents have your children. They sleep at night, and then they're home in the evening. And a couple hours, they go back to bed. But those formative hours, they're at school. And if they're being indoctrinated at school all this time, don't be surprised if your Christian young person comes up and says, Well, Mom, I don't know if that's really bad. I mean, they say they were born that way. No, they weren't born that way. God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him. Male and female created him. There are two genders, not many. And if you believe otherwise, then you're gender confused. You're confused. Now, I speak the truth today sort of boldly, but I must remind us all that the Bible says, if we started about the godly mother speaking the truth, it says, speak the truth in love. You see, a lot of these people, they don't have the backgrounds we have. They don't have a godly parent that's been teaching them. And they're susceptible to all these, to their teachers. They're supposed to respect these teachers, and they're teaching the wrong thing. And then their peers are are falling for this, and they're being influenced by that. And so we must be sure that we tell the truth, but we do it in love. And sometimes we work with people, or you interact with people, who fall under one of these letter categories. And you must be willing to tell them the truth, but you must be willing to tell it in love and say, you know, I I really care for you, and I have to tell you about Jesus who died for you. And I'm a sinner as well as you. He died for my sins, and he died for your sins. And tell them about, about Jesus. Speak the truth in love. But a godly mother knows what God says, and she's unashamed to tell what God says. And she must remember, though, I'll speak the truth in love. But I'll never let love cancel out the truth. (laughs) They must go together. So then a godly mother does something else. A godly mother believes right, she loves right, she speaks right, and then a godly mother lives right. She lives right. A person who loves the Lord lives right. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 97, verse 10, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. It's cut and dried. You can't be otherwise. You love the Lord, you hate evil. Proverbs 8, 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And so we must hate evil. Turn with me in your Bibles to to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll look at some of the things that that, uh, we are to decide. And since we're speaking of mothers today, mothers are to decide about living, how we're to live. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So when a godly mother lives right, then she, her speech is right. And so he says, verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, 
but that which is good and edifying that it may give minister grace to the hearer. Also something else is her heart is right. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Don't have any of those things in your heart. A, a mother who, who does right, lives right, then she takes care of those things and gets those things out of her heart. Also, her actions toward others are right. Look at verse 32. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God hath for Christ's sake forgiven you. So a godly mother is a kind mother, a forgiving mother, a tender-hearted mother. And so her actions toward others are right. Her walk of love is right. Look at chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And we've already covered that. She's to love. Her walk of love is right. Also, her response to immorality is right. Look at verse 3 of chapter 5. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So she's to reject all immor- immorality. It's so sad to see a mother... <laughs> I saw the other day, you probably did too, came up on my phone. This grandmother says that, you know, she was married, she had children, now she has grandchildren, but she's not married to her husband anymore, so now she's dating men that's much younger than her. She doesn't want to date men her age because she still thinks young. How foolish, how sick that is. That mother is probably proud of all the, the, the response she's had. And all the people who said, I like that, or she should be ashamed. That is so degrading. A godly mother would never do anything like that. A godly mother is a moral lady. And she has great morals. And her response to immorality is to reject it in all forms whatsoever. And then she gives thanks to God. Verse four, chapter 5, verse 4 says but rather giving thanks. So that's the life of a godly mother. Godly mother lives right. She has a Christ-like life. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. And then chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Be followers of God. So a follower of God lives right. So a godly mother lives right. Then I want to close with this. A godly mother hopes right. A godly mother hopes right. Christ was never worried about the future because he knew what his plan was. He didn't worry about the future. He doesn't want us to worry as as well. We're to have a hope that's steadfast and sure. A hope is something that based on the fact that God has told us something, we know it's true and we don't worry about it because we know it's true. Well, godly mother has... She is a a mother who hopes right. The trials of life don't defeat her. She remembers Philippians chapter 4 says, Be careful or anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. She remembers verse 13 of that passage. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And verse 19, My God shall supply all your need. A godly mother... She faces trials and she remembers, I'm not supposed to worry, I'm supposed to pray and God's going to help me through this and God's going to provide all my needs. I believe that, I have hope. 
1 Peter chapter 5, it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You're in trials and you humble yourself, uh, not under a weak hand, but the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. God will get you out of this. And you believe that. You have hope that God's going to do that because he promised to do it. And so trials come, but they don't shake you. Romans chapter 8, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. A godly mother has a hope that's steadfast and sure. I was going to read you a, a portion of this book, just a couple pages this morning, but we're running out of time. But it's by Esther Lovejoy, and it's titled The Sweet Side of Suffering. And she tells about the fact that she couldn't have children. She prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally God gave her a child, some children. And the oldest one went astray, broke her heart. I'd rather read it because it's better for her saying it, but don't have time. It just broke her heart. And she just messed her life up in all kinds of ways. I mean, it's all unbelievable. And after they found out later, they, she was into more than they thought. And they, she said, I just couldn't un understand. And so she prayed and asked God to give her a scripture that she could count on. God gave her a passage over in the Old Testament, and she believed on that and believed the Lord would bring good out of ruin. And she trusted the Lord. And then she tells the story about how this lady, her daughter, came to know Jesus. And she said, now she's a pastor's wife. <laughs> and she's sharing her experiences with young ladies who are going through the same thing. You see, God wants us to live in hope. Sure, life's tough. Sure, life is full of problems. But we can live in hope knowing that God is going to take care of us. And God can answer prayer. But then also her hope of future events. She doesn't have to worry about the future. The Bible says in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Isn't that interesting? God begins with that. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. In other words, it's going to get so good someday, the sufferings of this present time, I won't be worthy to be compared to it. Let not your heart be troubled. And then he tells us about heaven and the way there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The godly mother knows that's true. The best is coming. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to stay true to the Lord. I'm going to get through this because I know the day is coming. I'm going to be with Jesus, and hopefully my children will be as well. And then she reads the Bible and says that following that time, there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation 19. And it's going to be uh, where the Lord gathers all of his church together and has a great marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's going to be wonderful. And that's going to be followed down on earth by seven-year tribulation period. That's a bad time on this earth, but we're up in heaven. And then after that time's through, the Bible says that the Lord's going to descend from heaven and he's going to come with his army. He's going to ride on a white horse and we'll be following him. And then he's going to destroy his enemies. He's going to take Satan and put him in the bottomless pit so he can't bother anybody. And then the Lord's going to rule and reign on this earth for 1,000 years. That's coming. Can you imagine 1,000 years? I mean, our nation's only been around 200 and some years. 1,000 years with a perfect king, Jesus, who's going to rule and reign, and we're going to rule with him, and we're going to be in glorified bodies. That's going to be fun, isn't it? 
And the Lord says, you're in Ohio. I have something I want you to do out in California. Oh, by that time, California would be all cleaned up. The Lord's going to do that. <laughs> He's the only one that can. The Lord said, I want you to go out in California. Well, three seconds later, we're there. <laughs> Why? We have glorified bodies. <laughs> it's, it's, it's staggering to even think about. But that's all coming. And the godly mother knows her future is secure. And there's a whole lot ahead of us to look forward to. You see, the Bible tells us that after that millennial reign of Christ, then the Lord's going to destroy this present heaven and earth, and he's going to break a, make a brand new one. And that new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven, golden streets, gates of pearl, walls of jasper, and all of that. And it's going to sit on this, the brand new earth he's going to make. I mean, that city itself is almost 1,500 miles cube. You can imagine how big the earth is that he makes. All that's coming. So the mother who's going through the struggles, she has this hope in her mind. You know, the Lord's going to do wonderful things. I can trust him. He's going to work things out for, together for good. I can trust him. And I know the future is so bright. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit because I believe the Lord. Yes, a godly mother believes right. She loves right. She speaks right. She lives right. And she hopes right. Oh, yes, sometimes it'll get hard in this old world, but we know it's true. The Lord says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the godly mother stays true because one day she knows, as the scripture says in Proverbs 31, verse 25, she shall rejoice in time to come. And her children will rise up and call her blessed. And her husband, he'll do the same. And then on top of that, it's like a, like a cherry on the top of a, a big bowl of ice cream. You know, on top of that, the Lord will praise her. <laughs> wow, that's great. Godly mothers, stay godly. Because the Bible says one day you'll hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, back many years ago, about 2,000 years ago, there was a lady by the name of Eunice. She had a son by the name of Timothy. She was a godly lady. She had unfeigned, genuine faith. And her life proves that a godly mother is priceless. Because 2,000 years ago, this preacher just preached a message with her as the text. Still talking about her. Her son became the right-hand man to Paul. And her son did wonderful things for Jesus. And now we're still reading about her life. Stay a godly mother or be a godly mother because someday the rewards will come back and you'll be so thankful that you did. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for mothers who are here. And I pray for all of them, Lord, that they will be godly mothers because a godly mother is the best mother. And Lord, I just ask that for these ladies. I know they're all human They've all made mistakes. But Lord, our desire for them is to be godly. And I pray that for us as men and boys, Lord, that we might be godly as well. Help us to properly represent Jesus in these days. Now, if there's somebody here, Lord, who is not saved, I pray that today they would trust Christ as their Savior. We ask in his name. Amen.